Chapter 24 of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Friend. Dope by Sax Romer. Chapter 24. To Introduce 719. Some moments of silence followed. Sounds of traffic from the embankment penetrated dimly to the room of the assistant commissioner. Ringing of tram bells and that vague sustained noise which is created by the whirring of countless wheels along hard pavements. Finally, you have selected a curious moment to retire, Chief Inspector, said the assistant commissioner. Your prospects were never better. No doubt you have considered the question of your pension. I know what I'm giving up, sir, replied Carey. The assistant commissioner slowly revolved in his chair and gazed sadly at the speaker. Chief Inspector Carey met his glance with that fearless, unflinching stare which lent him so formidable an appearance. "'You might care to favor me with some explanation which I can lay before the Chief Commissioner.' Carey snapped his white teeth together viciously. "'May I take it, sir, that you accept my resignation?' "'Certainly not. I will place it before the responsible authority. I can do no more. Without disrespect, sir, I want to speak to you as man to man. As a private citizen, I can do it. As your subordinate, I can't.' The assistant commissioner sighed, stroking his neatly brushed hair with one large hand. Equally without disrespect, Chief Inspector, he murmured, it is news for me to learn that you have ever refrained from speaking your mind either in my presence or in the presence of any man. Carey smiled, unable to wholly conceal a sense of gratified vanity. Well, sir, he said, you have my resignation before you, and I am prepared to abide by the consequences. What I want to say is this. I am a man that has worked hard all his life to earn the respect and the trust of his employers. I am supposed to be chief inspector of this department, and as chief inspector I'll kowtow to nothing on two legs once I've been put in charge of a case. I work right in the sunshine. There's no grafting about me. I draw my salary every week, and any man that says I earn sixpence in the dark is at liberty to walk in here and deposit his funeral expenses. If I'm supposed to be under a cloud, there's my reply but I demand a public inquiry. At ever-increasing speed, succinctly, viciously, he rapped out the words. His red face grew more red, and his steel-blue eyes more fierce. The assistant commissioner exhibited bewilderment as the high tones ceased. Really, Chief Inspector, he said, you pain and surprise me. I do not profess to be ignorant of the cause of your annoyance. But perhaps if I acquaint you with the facts of my own position in the matter, you will be open to reconsider your decision. Carey cleared his throat loudly. I won't work in the dark, sir, he declared truculently. I'd rather be a pavement artist and my own master than chief inspector with an unknown spy following me about. Quite so, quite so. The assistant commissioner was wonderfully patient. Very well, chief inspector. It cannot enhance my personal dignity to admit the fact but I'm nearly as much in the dark as yourself. What's that, sir? Carey sat bolt upright, staring at the speaker. At a late hour last night, the Secretary of State communicated in person with the Chief Commissioner at the latter's town residence. He instructed him to offer every facility to a newly appointed agent of the Home Office who was empowered to conduct an official inquiry into the drug traffic. As a result, Vine Street was advised that the Home Office investigator would proceed at once to Cosmos' premises, and from thence wherever available clues might lead him. For some reason which has not yet been explained to me, this investigator chooses to preserve a strict anonymity. Traces of irritation became perceptible in the weary voice. Carrie staring in silence, the assistant commissioner continued. 
I have been advised that this nameless agent is in a position to establish his bona fides at any time, as he bears a number of these cards. You see, Chief Inspector, I am frank with you. From a table drawer, the assistant commissioner took a visiting card, which he handed to Carey. The latter stared at it as one stares at a rare specimen. It was the card of Lord Rexborough, His Majesty's Principal Secretary of State for the Home Department, and in the cramped calligraphy of his lordship it bore a brief note initialed thus, Lord Rexborough, Great Cumberland Place, V1, to introduce 719, W. Some moments of silence followed. Then, 719, said Carey in a high, strained voice. Why 719? And why all this hocus-pocus? Am I to understand, sir, that not only myself, but all the criminal investigation department is under a cloud? The assistant commissioner stroked his hair. You are to understand, Chief Inspector, that for the first time throughout my period of office I find myself out of touch with the Chief Commissioner. It is not departmental for me to say so, but I believe the Chief Commissioner finds himself similarly out of touch with the Secretary of State. Apparently, very powerful influences are at work, and the line of conduct taken by the Home Office suggests, to my mind, that collusion between the receivers and distributors of drugs and the police is suspected by someone. That being so, possibly out of a sense of fairness to all officially concerned, the committee which I understand has been appointed to inquire into the traffic has decided to treat us all alike, from myself down to the rawest constable. It's highly irritating and preposterous, of course, but I cannot disguise from you or from myself that we are on trial, Chief Inspector. Carey stood up and slowly moved his square shoulders in the manner of an athlete about to attempt a feat of weightlifting. From the assistant commissioner's table, he took the envelope which contained his resignation and tore it into several portions. These he deposited in a waste paper basket. That's that, he said. I am very deeply indebted to you, sir. I know now what to tell the press. The assistant commissioner glanced up. Not a word about 719, he said. Of course you understand this. If we don't exist as far as 719 is concerned, sir, said Carey in his most snappy tones, 719 means nothing to me. Quite so, quite so, of course. I may be wrong in the motives which I ascribe to this Whitehall agent, but misunderstanding is certain to arise out of a system of such deliberate mystification, which can only be compared to that employed by the Russian police under the Tsars. Half an hour later, Chief Inspector Carey came out of New Scotland Yard and, walking down onto the embankment, boarded a Norwood tramcar. The weather remained damp and gloomy, but upon the red face of Chief Inspector Carey, as he mounted to the upper deck of the car, rested an expression which might have been described as one of cheery truculence, where other passengers, coat collars upturned, gazed gloomily from the windows at the yellow murk overhanging the river. Carey looked briskly about him, smiling pleasurably. He was homeward bound, and when he presently alighted and went swinging along Spencer Road towards his house, he was still smiling. He regarded the case as having developed into a competition between himself and the man appointed by Whitehall, and it was just such a position, disconcerting to one of less aggressive temperament, which stimulated Chief Inspector Carey and put him in high good humor. Mrs. Carey, arrayed in a serviceable raincoat and wearing a plain felt hat, was standing by the dining room door as Carey entered. She had a basket on her arm. "'I was waiting for you, Dan,' she said simply. He kissed her affectionately, put his arm about her waist, and the two entered the cozy little room. 
by no ordinary human means was it possible that mary carey should have known that her husband would come home at that time but he was so used to her prescience in this respect that he offered no comment she kenned his approach always and at times when his life had been in danger and these were not of infrequent occurrence mary carey if sleeping had awakened trembling though the scene of peril were a hundred miles away and if awake had blanched and known a deadly sudden fear you'll be going to bed she asked for three hours mary don't fail to rouse me if i oversleep is it clear to you yet nearly clear the dark thing you saw behind it all mary was dope cosmas is a secret drug syndicate they've appointed a home office agent and he's working independently of us but his teeth came together with a snap oh dan said his wife it's a race drugs a home office agent dan they think the force is in it they do rapped carrie i'm for lehman street in three hours if there's double dealing behind it then the mugs are in the east end and it's folly not knavery i'm looking for it's a race mary and the credit of the service is at stake no my dear i'll have a snack when i wake you're going shopping i am done i have started but i wanted to see you when you came home if you only three hours go straight up now i'll have something hot and ready when you waken ten minutes later carrie was in bed his short clay pipe between his teeth and the meditations of marcus aurelius in his hand such was his customary sleeping draught and it had never been known to fail half a pipe of irish twist and three pages of the sad imperial author invariably plunged chief inspector carrie into healthy slumber End of chapter twenty four